All right, welcome to another edition of Cracking the Code. And you know, the whole the whole premise of this podcast is about people changing. You know, people going through tough things, coming out the other side. And um, I got a guest that we had before. He's a good friend of mine. I want to have him back because talk about a change. Uh, Chuck, man, Chuck, thanks for being here, brother. <laughs> good to see you. <laughs> it is funny. Um, you know, I uh, I don't know how much I'm going to go into or not to. I'm going to let you go because it's your story to tell. But I watched you. You came into my life through Ben Pero and. Uh, you and I have been good friends ever since, like brothers. And I watched you get 10 years sober, and then I watched your life get really hard. And then uh, my life got pretty hard. And then I watched you go through something and come out the other side. And shit, I mean, what you went through was really hard and to come out the other side of you. Went through, you put yourself through hell, and I got a lot of us benefited from it. So thank you for going. I mean, I'll tell you, I got the side, I got the, you know, I got the cliff notes, and boy, I'm doing a hell of a lot better. So thank you. Yeah. So why don't um, I'm gonna interrupt you? Do you want to talk about what you went through about ten years over? Whatever. You, yeah. It, it's your story to tell. Yeah, man. It's it's good to be back. Yeah, Vin. Shout out Vin Piero. Yeah. Right. Vin's, Vin's a good guy. Great guy. So yeah. So last year, November eighteenth. I picked up 10 years sober. It's the first year in 25 that I was a full-time Massachusetts resident. And through the winter. Welcome. <laughs> so a couple of things I forgot being in Florida for that long. One, I forgot that the weather sucks. Uh, I, f I forgot that it gets dark at 4.15. It doesn't do that in Florida. No, it's, uh, you, it's a longer, it's, uh, it's dark in the morning, so you get that extra hour. Yeah, who cares? Exactly. So, no, it's not dark at 4 o'clock, and it's not cold, and it's not rainy. So I forgot all those things, and that, that kind of impacted me. Biggest thing that impacted me, I've been sober, good, good sobriety, solid sobriety. And I knew all you guys, but I really wasn't connected up here as well as I was down there. So I was going yeah. to meetings. I was doing all this stuff, but I wasn't. I didn't have my crew. And uh, the winter got dark, really dark. Ten years sober, very, very very dark maybe the, my 10th year was my worst and best year in recovery so you know if anyone's new in recovery that does there's a lot of good to this story i didn't think about drinking one time and i didn't drink and i made it through it um but a lot of guys don't talk about ah, 10 years it's great and this sometimes it's not right and part of the program is being able to have guys around you when things aren't great you can say that so i had you guys and you, you guys got more than you bargained for. And I developed the crew quickly. Yeah. And we got close quick. Not just you, but a bunch of the guys. Yeah. And we would come here and we would have a men's meeting and, and do different things. And you know, I, I laid a lot of stuff on the table. I mean, it got dark. Dark, dark. Extra dark. Right? Without getting into <laughs> real heavy yeah, I know. detail. Yeah, I know. And it doesn't need to be heavy detail. Yeah. But the truth is, the, the, that is important to have that crew. To have people you can lay it out with. Because... There's a lot of pressure, and I think the one thing is, I think to myself, if you went through that in Florida, I wonder if you would have had the same results, because in Florida, you were a recovery coach. You were the guy. And sometimes when you're the guy people go to, you don't get to get relief. I was not a peer in Florida. I was the guy. And I wasn't, I don't think I would have been able to have that same conversation that I had with you guys. I may probably, maybe would have with some of them, yeah. but it was easier up here. I was, I was a peer. I was amongst friends. And I could say, hey, you, had no, you, you didn't hold me in a different position. I was just one of the guys, and, and I was dealing with some stuff. And, yeah, it was 10 years, but it is what it is. And you, you guys were great, and there was that accountability. And just being able to talk about it, for me, cuts it in half. Uh, there were days that I could do nothing, nothing, but crawl out of bed and, and get a meeting and then go right back to bed. I mean, the depression was as bad as it gets, crippling. You know what's crazy? 
um, when you went to me, you'd always put yourself together pretty well. And we can we can put a mask on. That um, you know, some of the darkest times of my life, I've walked around with a smile and I say, "Hey, how you doing? I'm doing well. Yeah, I'm doing good." You know, and if I say I'm great or 100% comes out of my mouth, you know I'm lying. Yeah. So I I did that, and it was those are the days where the best I could do someday was to get out of bed at five of ten, walk down to that ten o'clock meeting for one hour, put on a show. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, be the guy. Go around, shake all the hands. Be what you expected me to be. The happy, funny, sarcastic guy with 10 years. And then I would crawl right back to the house and shut off the lights and crawl in bed and not move for the rest of the day. But I had you guys at night. So that didn't happen. There was no, I didn't come to our men's meeting at night. I didn't come to the men's meeting on Saturday morning and try to put on a show. It was, hey, I'm suffering. I'm, I'm struggling. And that struggle had nothing to do with booze. And I think that's the scary part. There's a lot of scary parts. That's really scary because we know we have a solution for drugs and alcohol. We know how to handle that. The truth is the same solution works for everything. The spiritual solution, it works at gravity. It works, I mean, it's the same for everybody. It works the same for everything. But we don't always know how to apply it. I think at the core for me, I've much more come to the position that it has nothing to do with alcohol or drugs. It's a mental illness, right? We have mental illness that was solved for me, it was solved Absolutely. by alcohol until that no longer works. Yeah, until it stops working. <laughs> right? And then that becomes the problem. So then you fix that problem, but you're still left with that underlying thing. So um, for the better part of this year, well, I mean, it was so impactful that I, I, I have a note in my phone that I won't share, but it was dark. And on a particular night, I wrote a particular thing, and I was, I was basically done. I, could, I, I saw no way out. I've been struggling for five months. There was no way out. And, uh, and I got a call later on that night, that same night, an hour later, from my daughter. And it was a, her fiance's dad had just passed. She called immediately. And her comment was, I don't know what I would ever do if you weren't here. I can cry because I know what the note was. It was an hour and a half after that note. Imagine? No. Can you imagine what would she have done? Well, she told me. <laughs> I mean, right. So that's what it was. It was, uh, but then I was, yeah, I was like, okay, stop. You know, the program kicked in. The, you know, I persevere, persevere, right? One of the guys in our meeting says that. I made it to that day, and then something about that night, I said, okay, enough. Enough. You've been sitting in shit long enough. You know, you got the tools. You know what to do. You got guys. You haven't picked up. Let's go. Let's do this. And, uh, yeah, and then it was, I climbed out of that hole. And that was in spring, right? June 22nd. <laughs> but who's counting? But you know what? I think that's right around when you started doing that app for the meditation. No, I started doing the app uh, earlier than that, but around about January. Really? Yeah, because that had come up for a long time. So, I mean, there was a series Shit, of things so that, that I kept that doing. Quick. It wasn't a quick solution. No. I was doing an hour of mindfulness a day. I was meditating three or four times a week. I was still going to my meetings. I, there was a guy in my head that would, from Florida, that move a muscle, change a thought. That you taught me that, the, you know. This recurring thing. So on some days where I just didn't want to do anything, I just got out of the house. I just moved, right? Hopefully my head would fall on my feet. So whatever I did worked because I didn't drink. I didn't hurt myself. I didn't hurt anybody else. And, um, and I crawled out of it. 
right? So to be able to have those conversations, I think is important because at 10 years or 15 years, especially when you clean up and you show up and you look a certain way, people expect a certain thing. You should thing. be exempt from it. And, and then I, I heard other people say, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't talk like that because you're giving a bad story of recovery. And my answer to that is very simple. I won't tell you what I said to that person. I would say, was, fuck that noise. Well, I, it was, I, that would be my quote, fuck that noise, I because said, you know what, this is real. I, I'm here to save my life, not to please you, and not to entertain this group. It's not a joke to me, right? It's not a joke. So we, we had a tough conversation with that person, and I said, listen, if you don't like what I had to say, that's okay. It wasn't for you, it was for me. It's and there's somebody and, out there that heard it. And there's other people, brother. <laughs> it's not all unicorns, man. And Skittles, no, no. when you get sober, right? Life still happens. I love the girls in the program that we hang out with. Life gets lifey. Never heard that. Yeah. Lifey got lifey. Yeah. And it does. And it will again. And it will again. And I know that there'll be that, that other way out. So, you know, a lot of things came together. That was the, that was, I bounced off the bottom. And there was no drinking, right? So there's an emotional bottom, and people talk about that. Well, I had one, a real one, at 10 years. Does yeah. the program work? Oh, my God. Here I am sitting with you. Of course it works. I didn't drink. Didn't I didn't hurt up. myself, and, and I was still You didn't engaged. blow up your life? I used the tools to get through a rough patch. That's the point. The point is not that you're going to hit Powerball, meet Bobby, get a dream house, buy a jet. I like those things. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't mind those. Shit doesn't always happen that way. No, it doesn't. You know? And you got to be able to say, man, hey, this is what's going on. I, I lived most of my life like this. How you doing? Good. How you doing? Good. All right, good. Don't tell me because I don't give a fuck. Yeah. And I'm certainly not going to tell you how I'm doing. Exactly. So we're just going to say, we're going to say good and you're going to say good and we're going to talk about something. Not the Patriots because they're terrible. But I don't, I'm not telling you, right? I grew up with that mentality. I think a lot of us did, which was yeah. keep it in. Suck it up. Suck it up and it'll go away. Well, suck it up for alkies and drug addicts doesn't work. Because at some point, you suck up enough stuff and it, that, that bomb explodes, man. And so I don't suck it up anymore. If I, you get what I get. There's a lot of good days that are great. And I'll come in and it's great. And there are a lot of days that I walk in and someone's expecting a rah-rah message. And, and they don't get that. They, they get, yeah, how you doing? You know what? You really want to know? So I'll be happy to tell you. It's not good. It's not a happy story. So, yeah, made it through that. And then I went into the most remarkable experience I've ever had. Well, yeah, hold on. <laughs> let me lead into that. Because I, think, um, I think that's when, so you go into this. I'm going through a divorce. It's starting to get messy. Uh, as you told me it would. I keep saying, well, no, no. And you're like, no, no. Um, and I'm starting to feel pain like I didn't know. And, yeah. um, you know, and I'm like, wow, like, sober and dealing with this and that. And. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know if I could do it. And I'm watching you, and now you're on the other side of this. You, you kind of, you're, you're in the zone. You're back in the recovery zone. You're positive. And it's genuine. It's a, you know, you might have days that are off, but you're like, ah, I'm a little worried about this, but this is good. And then, and you, just, you tell me, you tell a group of my guys, you're going on a 10 day uh, silent retreat. Now, first of all, <laughs> I, I like we were putting jokes out there about you. Like I'm like, imagine being in that head for 10 days, and uh, as if as if my head would be even nearly as safe. But you know, somebody it, told it me once, it wouldn't be. Somebody said, if you go into your head, Ryan, bring a shotgun and a flashlight. And a lot of uh, friends. Yeah, I need a machine gun, not a <laughs> shotgun. Um, and and when you said it, honestly, none of us really thought. Like I didn't think it was gonna happen. Some of the come up and be an excuse to bail because I've heard so many people make those plans and then 
oh, they canceled it. Oh, COVID or I'm sick or whatever, you know. And, uh, but when it got closer, I was like, he's really going to do this. And then we found out what the food menu was. So we were trying to find a way to sneak you in food. Because, you know, Chris's whole concern about life is food. He's like, well, maybe we drop roast beef on and fling it in over a wall. And I'm like, I don't think so. I think this is like the real deal. And um, you went in. And man, like, selfishly, you came out at just the right time. Like, my life was starting to bottom out. I was in so much pain. And I was sober and I'm clean and I wanted to fucking die. Mm. And I remember you going through that. You came out of that place and, uh, you had this piece about, and I mean, man, I was dying. I'm like, I'm looking at my phone, like, when's he getting out? When's he getting out? I need him. I need him. And you came out, and you and you had a solution. So talk, talk about that because you you described it really well because you didn't make it sound like it was a great experience. It was a lot of pain. So take it from there because I don't know, how, I don't know how to describe it. You can't describe it because I can't describe it. It's an it's indescribable. It's experiential. So um, I, I think the the long story is this: I've been in and out of recovery since February 8th, 1999. You know, I've been sober most of the last 25 years. I was not a long relapse guy. I would come, 90 Day Chuck is my nickname in Florida. Um, and I just picked up 11 years in a row. I had four years in a row before that. I know, it's the first one to text you, remember in the middle of the night, I got up to Texas. Uh, yeah, that, you did, and that was, that was much appreciated. <laughs> um, I, uh, for about 20 years, the idea of meditation, a long-term meditation retreat started coming up in recovery. And I would blow it off. And as you know, we have recover- We have meditation. It's 11 step, right? Yeah. So prayer and meditation. Didn't do it. But it would come up recurring, recurring. And I had scheduled this two or three times and canceled it two or three times. So this was something I knew I had to do. I didn't know why I had to do it, but I knew I had to do it. So about a year ago, I had gotten on the list and was able to get a spot and picked it and said, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this one. And then I started training for it. I got on an app and I started doing, I replaced news with mindfulness podcasts and med- daily meditation and i did that consistently for 127 days before i went an hour a day so i've done some preparation i think that the, one of the themes is this when we drank or drugged we had pain if, th- if there's vodka in this and i gas it i'm gonna feel different in 15 minutes right you get it boom not even <laughs> yeah you you guys are immediate right for, for beneficial things, my experience has been it takes a longer time to reap the results, to get the benefit of that um, work. So I booked this meditation retreat a year ago. I started doing the one hour a day, 120 days before I went, 127. So these are things that were... An hour a day, but that's all. These are things that were cooking in the background. It's a little different. It's like saying I jogged 15 minutes and I'm going to do the marathon now. It's <laughs> but at least you started jogging. At least you started jogging. So Keep going. I don't understand this, but keep yeah, going. Yeah, you don't need to. But the point is, I think all of these little components w- were bearing fruit down the road. I think they all came together. You sharing your problems with me, right? When I was suffering, I was listening to you. I'm still picking up the phone with you. And that got me out of thinking about me. So all of these things helped get me through June 22nd. But... And I, I put everything on social media because this time I wanted to hold myself accountable. So I, I didn't want to quit because I had canceled several times. So I did it. So on, um, on October 25th, I went away for a 10-day silent meditation retreat at a Vipassana meditation center. Yeah, anxiety, just thinking of it, man. And I, and I had anxiety. And it was uh, in, in Massachusetts, a couple hours west. And by 
silent, the definition of silent, again, going in, I didn't talk to anybody who had attended. I just looked at the stuff and I knew I needed to do it. So I, I didn't want any preconceived notions. But silent is silent, and they said it was silent. Um, and silent meant no talking, no bodily communication, no eye communication, no hand gestures. It, they call it noble silence. So it's head down and you're silent. So you walk by people and don't make eye contact? You do not make eye contact. Very strange. Kind very, of... very strange, but actually very easy to fall into that. Easy. So the, the day, so we get out there. I get there. And I had no idea what to do. And, I, and I'm shocked because it's really nice and it's pretty. It's a beautiful day. And we can talk. So I pull up my car and I take the luggage out. And this is the funny. This is the, so there's a lot of people who meditate. I don't meditate. I have no idea what I'm going into. This guy's walking up, and they're like, hey, how you doing? Welcome to the Vipassana Meditation Center. This guy's walking up like Huck Finn, the old Huck Finn. He's got like a stick and a bandana with two pair of underwear oh, and, really? a, and a water bottle. Yeah, like that's all his luggage for 10 days. I pop my trunk. I've got three giant suitcases like I'm going on a cruise oh, yeah. to the Mediterranean for a month. Uh, yeah. And the guy says, you've never done this before, have you? <laughs> <laughs> this guy's walking in with like a pair of underwear. So that was the first thing. But we could talk. Okay. So I'm like, all right, this, oh, that's a plus. Yeah. That's a plus. So let me go inside and it's clean. I have my own room. Second plus. I find a fan because I always sleep with a fan and the TV oh, yeah. on. So now I find a fan. So now I'm, a I'm playing with house money. Maybe TV? No TV. Okay. <laughs> no, so no, no TV, no writing, no reading. You get a journal? No journaling. No, it's, and it's designed this way. There's no external. What the there's no external inputs in your brain. And there's no outlets either? Although the outlet is meditation. And so we get there and we assemble in the hall. And again, now we're talking and there's a guy and he's doesn't, he's not in a robe with a Harry Kirsten. Oh, yeah. I don't know what to expect. He's, he's, a, he's a white dude from Massachusetts. Just what this, just yeah. talking to you. He's like, hey man, what's up? And this is this, this is how it's going to go. And boom, we're going to start at seven o'clock. We'll see you back here. Meditation, silence, noble silence begins at 7, and that'll continue. This is now uh, Wednesday afternoon, day zero. A noble silence will start at 6 o'clock tonight, and it will end at 11 a.m. Uh, two Saturdays from now on day 10. That was Sunday. No. The noble silence ended on 11 o'clock Saturday. I left at 9.30 on Sunday. So what happens from Saturday to Sunday? Just, yeah, so so you get to talk to the other people, and oh, that's cool. But that's but that's the about your experience. Yeah, that's the end of that's it. That's kind of cool. Very cool. But here's the first night. So now you you assemble in a hall, and there's at first I thought there was going to be 30 total people. There's 120 people, 60 men, 60 women, and you're not making any eye. Any good-looking women? You don't see them. I would. <laughs> no, you, the way it's designed, you don't see them at all. Oh, really? You assemble into this giant meditation hall. You have an assigned meditation spot. Women enter from one side, men enter from the other side. You go to your assigned spot, you have your head down, and then you look up front and you have teachers and you do your stuff and it's very dimly lit. And I didn't wear my contacts the whole time. So I don't know if people could see better than me. Oh yeah, I didn't even know you had contacts. So. But there were 60, 60 women over here and you knew they were there, but you couldn't see them. Yeah, I didn't see them. Um, and, and you don't see them the whole time. The rest of the time, they're completely segregated. You don't, you don't bump into them, you don't you dine with them, you, 100%. Can I ask a weird question? Um, how do you eat with somebody without not looking like you're at a table? Fascinating the way they have it set up, and a great question. So the cafeteria is set up like this. You walk in. They ring a gong. Everything is a gong. Yeah, like that. And you walk in, and there's a cafeteria line, and you, you put food on your tray, and then you go down here, and you get your stuff. And it's all vegan, which is a th another thing I didn't – yeah, I'm, 
yeah. Fuck that. If you're not eating Dude. me either. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not a healthy eater. I can't go My kids it. think I'm a science experiment. You know, I'm drinking three bangs a day. I'm at about yeah. 2,500 milligrams of caffeine a day before I go in, in Big Macs and just crappy, just terrible diet. Terrible diet. So, but how do you eat? So we have assigned seats in the desks. Everybody had their own individual card table, maybe three feet by two feet, facing a blank wall. One seat, a, a metal folding chair, and a little table. So you'd get your tray, and you'd do your stuff, and you'd go and sit down, and you'd eat. And then you'd walk, and you'd rinse it off. But when you're eating, I could tell you every mole on the back of this guy's head. And, and my visual field would be about 90 degrees. So what you find yourself doing for 10 days, because you're, you're assembling in here three times a day, you're eating, and you're, it's, it's a steel cage match against your mind. For 10 days. So you make up stories about everybody in your visual field. I had named everybody. Everybody had a nickname. Everybody had a backstory. Um, I hated most of them. You know, yeah. That care. guy's a dick. And, you know, and, and the funny thing is that at day 10, everyone, I was like, hey, I thought you were a dick. And they're like, hey, I thought you were a dick. Hey, oh, cool. Yeah, that's, oh, yeah. Everybody makes up a story about everybody. But yeah, you had a story about me. I, there, that was a whole, that's, that's a different thing. Um, but that's how we would eat. You would eat, and you would, the way it's set up, you would just look at the back of somebody's head. And everybody sat at an individual table. Um, so we would eat for 30 minutes. So th here's your typical day. They would ring the gong at 4 a.m. And from 4.30 to 6.30, we would assemble in the meditation hall, and we would meditate. And you could do it for up to two hours. I would do it every day for maybe 40 minutes, that early one. And then I would go back to my room and sleep. At 6.30, they would ring the gong again. And that was a 30-minute breakfast. And the breakfast was prunes and oatmeal. Yep. Never ate either. I've eaten oatmeal every day since I get home. So I discovered that I like oatmeal. Never had oatmeal before I went to this thing. Yeah. So I would eat the oatmeal. I would have a cup of coffee. And I didn't go overboard on the coffee. They did have coffee, so I could have a little bit of caffeine, which is good. Crazy I had one cup in the morning. I could have had yeah. more, but I had one. And I, I, now I carry around a water bottle, so I'm that guy. I never yeah. drank water yeah. before. No? Never. Never. Um, so I'd go back to the cafeteria, 6.30, 7 o'clock. Food's done. And then I would go outside. It was in a beautiful setting, and they had beautiful hiking trails and a creek, and I would walk around, and I would just be in the forest, and that was really, really comforting. So I would do that for about half an hour. And then 8 o'clock, one-hour meditation, and that was – those were strict meditations, silent, non-guided, where you would go in and you would not move for an hour. Try not to move. And that would go from 8 to 9, 15-minute break, and then you'd come back in there for an hour – and then lunch from 11 to 11.30, and then quiet time from 12 to 1, and then from 1 to 2.30, back in the meditation hall. I would use some of that time to go back out into the woods. That was an open meditation. Okay. You could come, you could meditate wherever you wanted to, your room, the woods, yeah. um, or the meditation hall. I would go to the woods from 2 to 4 with a 15-minute break, back in the hall, 4 o'clock, 4.30, there was tea. That was dinner. Tea and a banana. I eat bananas. Yeah. Well, yeah, but that was it. So. Yeah, weren't you hungry? I, so, in, no. First I, couple of days, no? No. They settled right into not being hungry. It's interesting. Right? So the first day, I probably ate three bananas and three oranges. And then after maybe two days, I realized, no, I don't. That, that, 
I don't need that. I need one banana and an orange and a cup of tea, and I'm good. It's nice when you realize to simplify your life. You realize, right? So we were we were in the meditation hall about <clears throat> nine hours a day. That's insane. Insane. Um, I meditate 15 minutes to 20 minutes a day. And that was me before going in on a good day. I was meditating maybe 15 minutes a day three times a week for the 100 days going after. Prior to that, 15 minutes five times a year. So I, there's no meditation. This is running a marathon. I love meditation, but what you're telling me is just like horrifying to me. So it is. So the, the overall experience, um, absolutely everything, moments, indescribable, and that not being dramatic. When I say indescribable, no, no, I, I can't even imagine. Like this probably swings like to different ends of the pendulum. It's you against your head for ten days, with no new external inputs. What do I mean by that? There's not a text message that you're thinking about. There's not a news story that you heard about. There's not an email that you're thinking so about. Only existing thoughts, really. There's, no, there's nothing new. So yeah. you're just dealing with the stuff that's already there. There's no, hey, that's a pretty girl. There's no, hey, the guy in front of me has an interesting story. I'm really looking forward to following up on this conversation. There, is, there are no new inputs at all. It takes you a while to realize. You some stuff out, though, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, I don't think it would be for me, but I'm glad you saw some stuff out. So I think it's for everybody because the, the big takeaway is, well, during the time, depending if you could have interviewed me during the week, depending on the moment that you would have grabbed me, yeah. it was from the, the worst dread that we feel as addicts, right? Picture that worst wake up hungover or high again or jammed up or whatever like that <sighs> impending doom. Yeah. What do we say? Incomprehensible demoralization. Moments of that. Two or three. That. I mean, bad. Worst ever. I can't breathe. The world's ending. Can't breathe. There were moments of absolute ecstasy. Really? Could, like, incomprehensible ecstasy. I don't know where this is coming from. I've never felt this before in my life. It's like saying I felt good. Is, is like describing a Lamborghini as a car. You know, it's just, it does, th yeah, it's there, was, there was no words to describe how I felt. And then moments of bliss and joy and sadness and despair and all magnified. And it's just you. There's no one to talk to about it. It's just you trying to process it. Um, but in totality, after 10 days, the single biggest impactful thing I've ever done without question hands down game changer and the takeaway is this I told you some of the stories your mind makes up a lot of stories and it made up something that wasn't true I made up we'll leave it alone we'll leave that alone you should but know better you should know better I made up a lot of your stories brother. <laughs> I made up so one of the stories I can tell is I, I was sitting in the woods at one point and I looked up and I saw two jets flying over. I think it was day four, two fighter jets in tandem. And I had absolutely convinced myself that Washington, D.C. had been attacked by a nuclear weapon and that they were going to respond and that the war in the Middle East had expanded and they were going to dismiss us. And that's kind of made up. That, that's, that's the crazy. power of your mind. And believe it like it was happening in real life. And then stories about you and, you know, I'm going to get evicted from my apartment. The job's going down. I'm probably going to get locked up. I mean, I mean, the stuff that my mind would make up was just insane. 
Um, but I guess if you're along your thoughts, you just only tie in the people you know anyway, so you tie them in some weird way. all the stuff that you know. And the thing that was interesting, I didn't tell myself a good story once. See, I'm, your whole time I'm, I'm making up stories. I didn't make up one story where, you know what, somebody dropped off a bag full of gold in my house. Somebody willed me a mansion. Somebody bought me a jet. There was no great stories. Every story was, how bad is it going to be when I get out? Which shows you how our heads are. How our heads are. But over time, you start to realize, oh, wow, okay. Why am I thinking like that? What, what happened? What's making me think that? So the meditation makes you sit still. And this, they're brilliant at what they do. So day four, middle of the afternoon, I'm leaving. I'm, I'm done. I can't do it anymore. I'm quitting. Yeah, yeah. You were able to communicate with teachers or helpers. Very brief. So I found a guy regular guy who was a volunteer and I said um, I'm out and he's like why I said I can't I can't sit crisscross applesauce 10 more seconds we had just done two and a half hours straight and I couldn't move and I said I'm done I'm getting no benefit out of this I'm wrestling for these hours I was just struggling through yeah, you're just fighting it fighting it I'm like you know what I tried it I can't do it Four ring the bell yeah he said I said at least get me a chair he said you don't want a chair try a stool I said, all right, I'll try a stool, but I'm leaving after. He said, just do one more. And I did that 6 o'clock session that day. 6 o'clock session, day four, was the best meditation I had had so far. And then I, I stuck to the stool, and then it wasn't all perfect. I had two of the worst dark nights of the soul over the next six days, but the vast majority of the next six days were exceptional. So you came out, I'm trying to think of the best way, the best way to word this. Um, when you got out of it, um, I'm trying to articulate how I saw you. You had, you obviously had a calmness and a peace, and kind of, a, kind of like in a weird way, we joke around. We call you Buddha and shit like that. But you have like this, like a knowledge about you now, I guess, like an awareness about you. And I know that I came to see you on a day that I was, is it as much pain as I've been sober ever? I think. I was one week out. It was I was at the gym. It was Sunday. It was a Sunday, the second Sunday that I got out. Yeah, and um, and I had been reaching out over the day you got out. I was talking. I was at the park with my daughter. But this day, I was in a pain that I just um, I wasn't sure I could keep going. You know, I and uh, you say I'm gonna leave the gym. Meet me at Dunkin' Donuts. We met. I'm gonna Dunkin' Donuts. I'm crying in front of people. You know, I got tears coming down my face. I'm just like I just can't. And, and you kind of gave me. I don't know what was said or what wasn't said. To be honest with you. Because um, my head was so screwed up, but when we talked about, it, you kind of gave me a perspective on like, um, just let my thoughts kind of go, like go by, you know, almost like they were floating by on a river. Just don't grab that, you know, don't hold on to that leaf. And um, I left there, and I, I literally, I don't know how it was said. I, I can't, I can't put it to words, but it hasn't been the same since. I haven't worried about work. I haven't given two shits about my divorce nonsense. I've been present with my daughter when I'm there. I don't wake up with anxiety anymore. I don't stress when I wake up. If I wake up early and I go, move, great. If I wake up a little later, I go, move, great. I, mean, I, I have had a freedom. I was explaining to a buddy, he's like, what did he say to you? And I'm like, I don't really remember. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, um, I know exactly what I, you mean. I, I, like, <laughs> I can't articulate what you said, but I remember being like, holy crap. Well, I can tell you my takeaway. So my takeaway yeah after 10 full days of, of this was we are never in the moment. We are constantly 
living in our head. We're immersed in a movie that our brain is telling us. And for guys like you and me, that movie is either a historic movie, something that has already happened, so yeah. guilt and shame, yeah. but we're living it as if it's right now and we can't see any way out of why that will not continue. Or we're living in some future movie of some fear of something yeah. that is absolutely positively gonna happen in the future and we're living it as if it's happening right now. And that whole time we're missing what's right in front of us. The beauty of being in, in, locked, in your, locked in a room with my brain for 10 days, I know the stories I made up. Yeah. From everything from friendships to family members dying to Washington DC being bombed and everything in between and not one single thing was true. And the whole point of the meditation, the whole point of it is get control of your mind. Suffering comes from reliving the past memories <laughs> and fearing the future. And we know that, but it's, it's a different experience when you do that or when you share that because... When you can step back and just be and let them come and say, okay, okay, all right, this is what I'm feeling. It feels crappy. Did anything just happen right now? Like, what just triggered that? Yeah. Nothing. So these, then you realize, wow, that's the power for me. Where'd that come from? I didn't choose to just remember that thing, but here it is, and I'm living it. And you live it like it's like right Like there. it's happening right now. Yeah. I didn't ask for it. Here it is, and, and the body is reacting as if it's happening in real time. But yeah, the physiological part kicks in. But, it's like... And so the memory, so I learned that the memories are not the problem. It's the body reaction to the memory. That's the problem, how your body reacts to that. Okay. So, but the bigger, the, the, the strength or the information, the knowledge, the power comes from, that came out of nowhere. A minute ago, I wasn't thinking about that, and I, and I could breathe. And now yeah. I can't because I'm just thinking about it. But nothing really happened. Nothing in front of me happened. Nothing changed, Chuck, except a thought came up. And that thought that came up, guess what's going to happen? It wasn't there a minute ago. It's not going to be there in either a minute or five or 10 yeah. or 30 minutes. And that's the river thing. So take a step back. Watch it pop up. Where did it come from? I don't know. Is it real? No, it's a thought. Okay. Feel it and then let it go. So, you know, it's funny. Um, I don't remember how it was described, but the thing is, I was, I look at the future and I punch my, I like stress about stuff. And I realized when we were talking about the day, I'm like, I'm living it. Like it's already had, even if it happens in the future, why live it now and then live it then? Leave it there in the future. Because in the future, you'll be able to take care of things when, it comes to, when the time comes. You'll be in the present, you can actually take action. You can't take action in the future. And so much of my life has been trying to take action in the future. And it's not trying to take action in the future. It's trying to control the future. And we have no idea what the What's future what you has. What's yeah. so Another big takeaway was this. We spend, I spent my life searching for answers searching for things that I thought I could use to either get rid of the guilt from the past or control the future. And what I was missing that whole time by searching, so it would be like me looking around this room for the microphone. Where's that microphone? Where's the microphone? Where's it? Oh. But I can't see it because I'm searching above it. Yeah. So whatever you need, you'll get when you need it. It'll show up. That's another big takeaway. We spend too much time searching for stuff that we don't need, when we need it, it'll show up if we're, be, if we're present. Yeah, it's true. The thoughts, the magic of the whole week was 
these thoughts that I can feel in my chest, the pain of the guilt or the suffering or the fear of what's going to happen in the future, feeling it as if it is a real event happening right now, nothing changed. It, I, I could get a thought right now that could cause my blood pressure to go up and me start to sweat and nothing would have changed, right? I'd still yeah. be sitting in this thing talking to you, but something came up and I, and I thought about it. Or I look at a text message or, or whatever. Um, and you realize, okay, well, it wasn't there before. And then you realize, when was the last time I was mad? Oh, that went away. And I was really mad. So it comes and it goes. So everything comes and goes. So now I, I want to touch on one thing before we wrap up. Um, so right now you're in the process of launching a sober house. Yeah. Okay. And give me a location on that. Danvers. Do you guys have a name for it yet? Yes, Redemption House. I should name it like Ryan's Redemption House. We were gonna, yeah, but then we decided Ryan's an idiot, so we, we can't do it. <laughs> All right, fear enough. So Redemption House, um, that's pretty cool. And when is it gonna launch? Like the spring, you think? Yeah, so we're having difficulty. Yeah. We had to postpone the closing a couple times because yeah, uh, some some business challenges there. But uh, we'll we'll stop putting guys in there two three weeks uh, as when we close. But the okay. closing's been delayed. We're fully, we've been through mass training and yeah. been to all the treatments. You've done all the leg work. Yeah, ready to, run, ready to right? go. That's exciting. And um, obviously the app's still doing pretty well because a lot of guys from, yeah. the, you know, so TBV is Trust But Verify. That's an app that a lot of the courts use it now. Uh, before, when I was on probation, I was younger, you'd go to court, they'd say, go to Amy's, get three signatures. Well, you know what? I can write three signatures. If I'm an addict, I can forge three signatures. Um, or have somebody else or a girlfriend do it or whatever. Now there's an app that'll track the addict or the alcoholic to show that they went. It also is something they can go on, and there's a world of meetings. What, 1,200 meetings a day? 1,200 meetings a day? 1,200 meetings a week within five meetings. miles. Within five miles. So that allows an addict or an alcoholic a whole world of opportunity because that's, it is a challenge. When you, usually when you're an addict, you don't have a driver's license. I'll speak for myself. I didn't have a license. I didn't make friends. The only thing you do have is a phone because you'll sell your soul to pay for your phone or your mom and dad will pay for it if you're young. Uh, Excellent, excellent, excellent way for people to stay sober. Um, doing a lot of good things for us. Yeah, we, the app, we wanted to make, help people make connections, right? The guys I met that got me through January, uh, June 22nd, I met through the rooms. So, you know, you got to meet them there. We want to make it easier for people to find the places to meet guys like you and me. Addiction is a lonely thing. Dude, it sucks. Thing. And it's, you know, I'm done calling it addiction. It's mental illness, man. You know? Whatever you want to call it, it sucks and it's lonely. It, 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 but it's also great. And it, there's, there's so many great parts of it that you, the relationships you can develop. And to be able to tell, I can't tell, this story's not as compelling if I don't go through June 22nd. Oh, listen, I get news for you. Like, I realize <laughs> part of the reason my culture business where I'm helping guys and doing some of the speaking and helping guys grow their business, if I was just a business guy who went to a prep school at a house, a white picket fence, two and a half kids and a wife, and it all worked out, I'm not that excited. But the fact that I bought them down, I lost everything, went to jail, blew up a divorce, um, all that stuff, and then showing them a father and I have a successful business, that's it. People like the comeback story. And that's what recovery is. It's a comeback story. You know, people watch these movies, you know, whether it's a Rocky movie or all these other movies, and they don't realize, like, if, you, if you're struggling with addiction, walk into a 12-step meeting, whether it's AA, NA, whatever it is, and you get the best movie right in front of you. And that's, that's the punchline, right? You don't need to distract yourself with other stuff. The mindfulness stuff, being able to carry it out of the retreat. Now I'm meditating one hour a day, every day in my house. I'm being able to pause when I start to feel these feelings, which still come. Here's what I know. Okay, what happened? Did anything change right now? No. Okay, so feel it. It'll go away. It will pass. This too shall pass. Magic. It is, it's true.
It, it comes and it goes if you not if you don't put too much into it. it, it everything comes and goes. It's so true, brother. I love seeing you on the other side of this, man. It's um, it's pretty it's pretty freaking great. And I think I'm really excited to be able to bring this. I think the beauty of recovery for guys like you and I, I can't tell you what to do. I can tell you what I've done. Yeah. So to be able to go now with 25 guys or 12 guys, whatever we're going to start with, but we'll build this up, to be able to say to them, guys, you know, I'm going to tell you a story. And, and it's a story of good and bad, but it's a game ch- This is what I've done, and it's a game changer for me. I hope you do it. I don't care if you do. But I'm going to let you know that I'm telling you this because I didn't know about it. People told me about it for 25 years. I never took the advice. Had I, maybe I wouldn't have suffered as badly as I've suffered. So this is a tool that you can pick up when and if you decide. And if you do, I promise you, it'll change your life. Yeah. And and I think um, just testimonials, guys, you know, some of us guys going and saying, hey, listen, I saw him before. I saw him go through it. Like, it's amazing to me. Um, I I don't think people will realize that watching this, the same gravity of it as I had watching you go through it. And I'm uh, wondering if you were starving and then laughing about you and making fun of you. I'm wondering if I, you know, it, it, just, just to be able to physically, and there were times where I would treat that next session like Navy SEAL training on my son at West Point. You know, yeah. okay, I'm getting nothing out of this, but I'm not ringing the bell. I'm not quitting. Yeah, I'm not sure. No matter what. Show up. The take me out in a body bag, but I'm not quitting. That's a, I'm not quitting. No way. You know? I love it, brother. Yeah. Jack, thanks for coming on again, brother. Good Appreciate to see you, it. Good to see you on the other <laughs> side of it. Happy thanks, folks. See you next episode.